This is episode 33 of uh, Two Teachers Talking, and this is Tony Silva and Charles Wiz. And suddenly it's uh, three teachers talking, uh, because today we're joined by Professor Allison Kitzman of Kinky University. Professor? <laughs> you profess. I profess to profess, okay. yes. Good morning. And, Welcome, uh, Allison. <laughs> and she's with us today because she's something of a travel expert, and that's our topic. We're uh, kind of going off the rails into the skies and uh, start trying to think about vacation to keep us sane in this last insane part of the semester. Ah, that's right, because the semester is ending, and for those of us in Japan, summer is here. Well, teachers know what the end of the term means uh, worldwide. <laughs> it's, it's it means you are terminated. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, the worst the case scenario. The end of the term is the end of the term is different for us here by almost a couple of months. Uh, my f- teacher friends back in the states are already preparing for their uh, fall classes. When does the stuff start in the States now? I can't even remember. It's September, isn't it? Oh, no. I started at the University of Illinois August 15th every year. Really? Yep. And uh, I think it's state by state. And whether or not it's a quarter system or a semester system. Or a trimester, right? Or a trimester, right. Yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot of variation even with, within one state. But I think the trend in general is uh, an earlier start in the fall. When I was in school, we almost always started in September. I don't remember ever actually starting yeah, after in Labor Day. After Labor Day. After That's Labor kind of Day. the yep. tradition. But um, I'm seeing more and more schools starting before then. But for us, that doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter because <laughs> the semester <laughs> ends completely our academic at the end of July, first April, week of so. August, right? Okay, and then we don't go back until like the end of September, beginning of October. So, yay. And then we have a week long break in October for culture festival and things like that. Well, some people do. <laughs> yeah, some people get a one-week break. Yeah, that's true. That's being eroded. Yeah, yeah we so get like that's a Friday, Monday. Partly one of the things that, yeah, one of the things we're talking about right now, vacation, is that people who are not teachers um, have this image. You think about the North American uh, academic calendar where they see teachers having three- or four-month vacations with nothing to do. Um, those those lazy jerks, right? And, Who are you uh, talking about? <laughs> Who are you calling a lazy jerk? And uh, even here, uh, where once we our classes would generally finish mid July and then begin maybe October first, that is not any longer the case. We talked a lot about this before about when the teachers under attack, but um, now classes routinely stretching into August and some schools beginning yep. uh, mid September. So that. Long vacation is a uh, thing of the past, and as much as it ever was, because as we know, uh, quote-unquote vacation is often just a chance to do a different kind of work. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about vacation. Yeah, though. yeah, let's get back. What, what can we do? <laughs> and forget about the work. I thought that's why I'm here today. <laughs> forget about the All work. All right, so you know, thinking about vacations, um, different kinds of things. I mean, from a, kind of from a teacher's perspective, I mean, you can... Have your pure recreational relaxation, whether it's e- e- economic or luxury uh, approach to Stay-cay that. Staycay is what it's called now, what? right? You stay home, a staycation? Oh, that's what I always do, but... Is oh, that what it's called? Now you married me, sorry. Is yeah. that what... Wait. That's a real term? Yes, it's been a term in the state since the economic downturn, 2007-2008, uh, a staycay. Or a staycation. I never heard staycay. Stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. 
stay at home and don't do anything. Well, Instead you of traveling. provide to the economic recovery of your local community. Oh, you mean your Starbucks. Your Starbucks <laughs> as opposed to your Starbucks at Disneyland. Uh, okay, well, I did have the little shock of taking my, my wife and my daughter to Disneyland, I think, a couple of years ago or something. Or in last Tokyo? year. No, 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 in uh, Los Angeles. The States. Uh-huh. That was true, like sticker shock. <laughs> I hadn't been. I haven't been to Disneyland in like twenty years, twenty five years. It's like, what? You want five hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah. And I remember when they had like, remember e ticket rides and D ticket rides and. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Now it's just one huge fee. But anyway, okay. So, Allison, tell us about if you know all these places you think that are great to go when you're not having a staycation, but you're having a vacation. Oh my gosh, I could be here till. Anyway, you can be here for as long to... as you want. Whether or not Tony and I stay is a totally different matter. But <laughs> lose your audience in one fell swoop. Hey, some, um, hey at least it's not uh, my yeah. fault. That's all I care about. <laughs> uh, it kind of depends on what type of traveler you are. Uh, talking about destinations, uh, but let's kind of maybe go back and think about the teacher aspect of it because a lot of us don't have that big block of time to spend on a beach in Thailand anymore. Although some people do still choose that. There are a lot of other things that we can accomplish while we're traveling. Um, Kind of two or three or four or five birds with one stone. Um, And hmm. Uh, for example, last summer I went back to my company slash school in Vladimir, Russia. And of course, it had been 20 years, so it was a 20-year anniversary, and I wanted to see all of my friends, and they were still there, and the school, which I was the first head teacher of and kind of initiated everything, was going great guns. It was wonderful to see see the success, see the same building, how it had changed. Uh, we had one sort of computer, barely a printer, and no ink and no paper let alone water and food. We won't get into that at, <clears throat> at times. Um, and now they had the latest everything and an entire library of books. It was really a wonderful personal trip. But while I was there, not only did I drag poor Tony, so I introduced him to my history and to some of my friends, but he and I both did presentations and kind of, I wasn't, Maybe they weren't exactly planning on it, but I ended up doing some teacher observation and helping with their teacher orientations and doing several other presentations, not only for the Vladimir, uh, what do you call it, Pedagogical Institute, but also for the school itself, the American home in Vladimir. So after that, Tony and I then kind of went to Moscow and St. Petersburg and did the tourist thing. So, wow, talk about <laughs> killing things with stones. I think I got six or seven in there in one trip, and Portonia got to see Russia. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that, you know, you can kind of, with some planning, do kind of combine your pleasure travel with some kind of, you know, either research or presentations um, or some of the other professional development. And in some cases, um, if you're lucky, you can sometimes get um, 
your school to pick up portions of that if it is indeed um, that closely related to you know what you're doing at uh, at the school where you're teaching. And to have a school pick up the the tab or part of the tab, uh, generally that's for full time teachers, but that's not always the case. Um, there is right now someone I know who is a part-timer who's been given funds to go with uh, some other full-time teachers from the same university to present uh, regarding some project in Rome. So it's not completely impossible if you set yourself up for that. Oh, but it is difficult, um, though. That's that's really rare. I think that's like it, maybe the, one of the few part-timers I've heard in 25 years. Exactly. I, I'm sorry. I yeah, agree. that's an exception, I think, if you're part-time. It's, it is, but again, if you set yourself up for it, if you... And I was surprised, too. So I'm like, how did that happen? She said, I asked. I'm like, wow, I never thought to do that. <laughs> so she asked. But uh, even for full-timers, another way to go to a destination of your choice is to volunteer for chaperoning the students abroad. And often, you know, you can stay for an extra week or two after and I don't know, if you're going down to Australia, then you can go tour the Gold Coast afterwards. Okay. But I think, you know, I've, I've gone like I've done the research trips. Yeah, yeah, and, you've done that kind of thing. Right, you know, and... Um, and does your university pay for that? Well, they'll, they pay for research trips. And, you know, like the last time I went, I actually had to give them a day-by-day schedule. Um, my university, I guess, is pretty strict. But, you know, you always have like a little bit of time off where you're you're doing things. Right. But, you know, it's there's a real difference, though, um, of just doing a real vacation, though. You know, like even seven days or eight days and not doing any work thing. And, you know, there's that interesting issue of, you know, you talked about the stay vacation or staycation before. Mm. What we're really talking about is basically working during vacation time. Well, that's unfortunately what often ends up happening. Right, right, right. And there's a real difference between that and just saying, look, you know, I'm not doing any work for a week. How do you do, how well, do, you do that? <laughs> it, it sounds like Oh, I'm English. sorry. I'm just sounds, talking about somebody else. It sounds like, like, Eng- okay, sounds like but, English, but well, I don't you know, understand you know, this also ties into this interesting phenomenon. I don't even know where it started, but, you know, you can't turn to anybody and say, I'm not busy. Everybody has to be busy now. and um, Well, I think everybody is busy in their own way. Yeah, but there's also, I think, there was some turn where somehow saying, you know, I really have nothing to do for the next four days, five days. Is this something I didn't, I don't hear as much as I used to? And I wonder, is it that people are busy or have we actually internalized something where we feel guilty for not being busy? Oh, no, I think okay. no. I think I think okay. there's a lot of factors. I think that one thing is that um, your job has changed. You have a lot more yeah. responsibilities. You now have a, a wife, a, uh, a child. A dog. Oh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, when you combine a full time job and the the very bizarre commute that you do with a family and other family considerations, I don't know that there's any time <laughs> where you're not going to be busy. Because I mean, we don't have kids. And uh, just the demands of the job itself, or our jobs themselves, uh, and things like this podcast, or the next paper that's got to get written, or, 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 um, no. I I think the other thing that also has changed is, um, you know, that great 
uh, time-saving uh, technology that follows us everywhere so that work is yes. always there. And it, the it, connectivity. You know, whether it's work or whether it's you know, the semi-work, there's this stuff that is always kind of there. You know, there's your email and there's your Twitter or there's your Skype. And it's there's always something there. I don't think that it's a it's a facade. I think people are truly busy. Now, you can argue that, yeah, just turn off the phone and turn off the email and step step away. Yeah, if you start cutting things off, then suddenly you're not busy, but you're still doing those things um, ordinarily. And if yeah, if you start eliminating those, then you stop being busy. But um, that has crept in, and whether it's work, whether it's entertainment, like watching you know videos on on YouTube, uh, whether it's social, uh, whether it's you know by email or Skype or Twitter, um, all those things uh, suck up your time, and it's gone. And I, th- I think everybody's busy. Really, and with with that connectivity, oftentimes uh, I, I have heard of some people. Yes, well, you know, it's the corporate culture. If you don't email on the weekends, you know, if the boss doesn't, well, then the staff won't. Well, the staff at most Japanese universities and schools in general, they work on Saturdays, so expect an email from your school on a Saturday. You may think it's a day off. It's not for them. So that connectivity, and if you go on vacation anywhere, if you have a personnel problem or a student grade issue, they will email you and they expect, because they have deadlines of their own, that you reply. And that happens quite often. One other minor point, maybe with our demographic, the three of us, we're kind of what diagraphed? What, what demographic would that be? <laughs> the dying graphic, yes. The old farts. <laughs> we're, well, speak for yourselves, but uh, <clears throat> middle-aged. Singular and... would have been better than plural in that case, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you are middle-aged. <laughs> um, but at this point in our lives, you know, yes, this is when our kids are, are younger and they take more... Uh, Whatever you do with kids, Charles, tell us. Um, but this is this is when we are the busiest. We're trying to do papers to get promotions. We have we're on different committees. When we're younger, we don't have all those responsibilities. When we're older and retired, we won't have all those responsibilities. So right now, yeah, we're busy. But you know, ten years from now, I hope not to be so busy. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> Yeah. I know, I know. Okay, well, let me, let, me, let me go back to something. I was reading an article. Let's go on vacation. Anyway. Yeah, we haven't talked oh, so about your article. vacation. All right, just skip it. Go ahead. Let's no, go no, back. no, article. Okay, what? real quickly, real quickly, though, and I think it does tie into what I'm trying to say about vacations, is that someone was uh, talking about the new Macs and how Macs will work while they sleep. And this person kind of made an interesting point, which is that it's even we're supposed to be working while we're sleeping. And I'm tying that into another article I read about how when people are playing computer games, it's actually computer games are work. And I think that there's been this real intrusion of work into people's private lives. And Allison, I know what you're saying about the weekends and the emails, but interestingly mm-hmm. enough, over the last year or year and a half in my department, the weekend emails have dried up. Yeah, it, it's a corporate culture it's, thing. And, you know, I have actually basically, you know, had the attitude of, I'm really sorry, I only respond to emergency emails on the weekend. 
And I even shocked my students when I turned to them and I said, do not email me after Friday evening because I will not look at my emails until Monday morning. And the gasps and the, you know, the expressions of shock on my students' faces were really amazing. And then I just turned to them and I said, excuse me, I don't email you on weekends, do I? And they're like, no. Okay, so I said, well, why should I respond to an email on the weekend, which is my private time? And even though it is Japan, I do think that it's, there's an important aspect, and we're talking about vacations. And one of the things that significantly defines a vacation is that it's private time away from your usual responsibilities. It's not supposed to be work. And unless there's really a dire emergency, then I don't, you know, I really feel the vacation should be time away from work. A research trip, on the other hand, is different. When your school is funding it or paying for it, then you're still on work time except for the after-hours kinds of things. But I take a stand on, you know, I think we do need to unplug a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And, we all need to, and we all have our ways, but I'm sorry, I'm not rich, and I well, need to Well, neither am I, but, you know. <laughs> I need to find another way to mix my, my uh, however I'm going to get abroad with, um, you know, the, this nice, fun vacation. And maybe I'm not the best at it, but to spend a week job hunting, for example. So if you're looking for the, your next professorship someplace, and maybe I want to be in the lovely Hokkaido, I would maybe go up to Hokkaido, search around, do some interviews, look at universities, shake some hands, and then spend another two weeks, you know, going around Hokkaido and having fun. Job hunting is another thing you might want to consider. <laughs> during your time off and your yeah. vacation. But it's a it's a way to use that time effectively. And, of course, I hate to bring up the word, Tony, don't shoot me, please. You're just in the next room. Multitasking. Okay. Well. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, again, I'm going to be contrarian, Allison, and welcome to the show. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> okay. But, you know who you're talking right, to, right? Well, we're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, vacations. I mean, the point of it is, I think most of the teachers I know are committed people who are doing, you know, teaching and not just talking about people who are researchers, because I think there's a difference if you primarily define yourself as a yes. researcher, you're going to keep researching, you're going to keep doing your work, because that's primarily what you're focused. I'm talking about people who are in classrooms. 12, 15 or more hours a week, a week which is an exhausting exhausting job that I think a lot of people who don't teach don't understand. Or, or 20, 27 hours in my case. Yeah, right. it's like, what are you talking about only 12 hours a day? That's when I'm away from home. Okay. So <laughs> I don't stop working. I'm just like, trying oh. to give you guys a way into the conversation, mm. into the monologue. So uh. <laughs> let's say, okay, so people, we're talking about people who really teach. And in fact, I think most people forget that their first teaching day or their first teacher training day, when you come back home and you can't move after teaching six hours, you know, that total deep, tired, fatigued feeling. That teaching is, I think it is a tiring task. It's hard, you're on, you're watching students all the time, you're trying to figure out what's going on. So you're at the end of 15 weeks. You're tired, okay? Where do I go? What do I do if I want to really relax, refresh? Come on, Alice, give us some places to go, because I'm just one of those people who supports going to Bali, <laughs> just going up. And, and that's wonderful for you? And I just want I to sit, lots yeah. of, and I have lots of places, but I have to say, not everybody has that same vision. Okay, I absolutely. Well, I know agree. Tony does not. 
<laughs> right. Tony wants to sit on a beach. He would be happy with a drink in his hand in Bali. I just haven't dragged him there yet. Okay. Tony, are you writing this down too? No, 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 no. I'm there. I'm just, yeah, because I'm a bit of an outlier there too mm. uh, in terms of workload. And yeah, for me... Whereas, you know, you know, Charles is talking about this getaway vacation thing. That That's pretty much mm-hmm. Allison. Given her druthers, that's exactly what she would do. She'd get out and, well, go see, do, and uh, sightseeing and all kinds of things. But, yeah, she wouldn't work. Whereas, for me, um, yeah, you talked about that, that day-to-day teaching thing. Um, yeah, that's me. And um, uh, for me, even going back, like, to the weekends... Yeah, my weekends are not weekends. They're just days where I do just different kinds of work. And, yeah, my, I do emails all the time on the weekend because I don't have any time to do that during the week uh, in terms of any kind of you know prep, any kind of correction of papers or tests or anything else. All that is the weekend because there is zero time during the week. And taking that a step further, with, for my vacation, with quotes, um, for me, it's just a, a different time schedule, and it means that I do different kinds of work, whether it's uh, research, writing a paper, writing a book, other writing that I do. Um, I don't. I'm not. I don't have the travel bug. Um, yeah, I'm all about the the, the beach, right? I'm sitting on the beach and uh, and relaxing. Yeah, that's what my idea of a vacation is. Um, but I don't have that luxury at this point, and so for me, my vacations have become. Um, just a different work schedule unless you know Allison and she, and she will thankfully pull me away and force me to do things like a trip to Russia <laughs> and many other and places. other places too and and uh, for example get, what, for example and that's what you're talking about and we have had some of those places that were really wonderful for a bunch of different reasons for example Allison <laughs> okay all right I guess we went to Nagoya last week <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I guess I just defamed Nagoya. But well, can't compare it to Bali. You can't compare I, it to Bali. I, I, we've been to Nagoya, too. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we've dragged a German oh. friend of mine to Nagoya. That was fun. And that's another thing. You don't always have to go away. People can come and visit you, and you can have a vacation in your hometown here, or wherever your hometown is. And who goes to all of the museums in their own hometown? No one does. And yeah. that's another way to have a vacation. Yeah. Have your friends or your parents or whatever visit you. Not, not Kansai in the summer. No. Oh, that's true. No, not Kansai in the summer. And no, that's It's true. not that's Kanto right. in the summer either this year. And it's, I, it's, it's I also really want to, hot. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kanto just It's hard to get outside right now. Yeah, yeah. You get oh, cabin yes, I, fever. I, I, and for those people who aren't here, um, we're running at about, what, 36, 38 degrees, which I think is... Like 98 degrees? Like that, yeah. It's 98 degrees at about, and humid. what, 90% humidity. And it doesn't cool off at night. Actually, huh? where we are, it cools off. Um, wake up in the morning, it's cooled off. But it's only in the morning after it cools off. During the night, it's hot. But anyway, you don't want to really yeah. go outside because no. it's it's like walking into a sauna. And the other, the, the other thing that I, I think also is very important to Mount Vacations, I think um, for lots of people, and, and I'm speaking for myself here, I don't hate Japan, and I don't hate being here at all. I know a lot of there's a lot of teachers who go directly mm. from their last class to the airport, and they don't come back until the night before their first classes, or the morning, or the off. morning after. <clears throat> yeah, sometimes. Sorry, not my favorite people. <laughs> well, of course not, but um, yeah, and that and that certainly isn't me. Yet, 
I have That's not me say. yet. <laughs> However, no, a no, not me. Yeah, however, by the end of this comma. podcast, however, <laughs> um, there is very real therapeutic value in getting out of the country, um, getting someplace that is just easier to be. I mean, where you can, uh, everyone speaks your native language, whatever your native language might be, uh, and if it's got more familiarity, if it's easy. Uh, it makes such a big difference. And um, to go someplace where even if you're a foreigner, you're treated a little bit differently. And even beyond all the specifics, just a change of scenery, the, the mindset of getting out of the country that you're in the other 11 months of the year uh, has real benefits. Even, again, for me, even if, for example, I'm in a basement in Chicago working more days than not, it is so much more relaxing and uh, less stressful than um, being in the same place, at the same desk, in the same city, in the same country. Uh, just a change of scenery uh, can really be helpful. And that's an argument for not staying in Japan, it's, in addition to the heat and the humidity of the summer. But, uh, yeah, that... And you go to Chicago really, really in the help. summer, which is pretty humid, I think, right? Uh, it's Not variable. Like it's hugely variable. It okay. can be it can be hotter than um, this part of Japan, temperature-wise, in the day. And it might be that way for three or four days. And then the temperature may drop <laughs> to a point where – I've been in Chicago in August where I've had to – twice, I've had to buy jackets because it was – Allison, you were there one time when I had to buy the yes. jackets because it was so cold. Yes. In August. And then yeah. the next week it might be, uh, might be as you said, 38 degrees, 39 degrees. Okay. It's variable. So that's it's not that's because you want to, to get away to escape. And Charles, you're kind of talking about that whole idea of escape. But there's some no, people actually, who no, 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 no. are refreshed by teaching their kids. And they might have a different reason to go abroad. And another reason would be to do something more altruistic or, for some people, very spiritual um, volunteer work. Uh, we have some friends here who every single year uh, they go to either Laos, we have some friends, we have some who go to Indonesia, um, some to actually I think maybe specifically Bali, and they're doing volunteer work which it's abroad, uh, they're meeting other people, they're spending their energies otherwise, and they're probably getting spiritually refreshed uh, as opposed to just Yes, Tony and I are sitting having drinks on the beach. Yeah, okay, but <laughs> or in a bar. You know, I there are people I know who do that, and I think that's really a great way to spend a vacation. But what I want to take issue with, Allison, is the hmm. notion that my taking a vacation is an escape instead of it being an integral part of my life. The need to relax and refresh is being a way for me to actually be more productive, and. You know, it's just that this whole, I think, um, you know, when we've done the teachers under attack, I think there's this whole mm. thing of where, you know, people are under attack in the sense of vacations being a time that is private and for you and your family or for whoever, and that it's part of you being who you are and actually being a better worker or even more productive in the long term. And Yes, and I, I do agree. It's It's become less important it has become non unprioritized not prioritized and it needs to get moved up that priority ladder yes. well that's why okay I... so let's so okay. let's, let's, let's go move somewhere where there's no let's email do that. let's okay. let's reprioritize okay we're reprioritizing and we're recognize the these the 
productivity value of a decadent, relaxing vacation. Yes. What are, what, where, where are we going? Where can you go for a so, decadent, relaxing vacation? Okay. So, again, not necessarily summer, but uh, this past Christmas, Tony and I were dragging. We were just dragging. And we didn't, I'm sorry, Tony, because of the Russia trip, it wasn't much of a vacation. I was pretty much working a lot there, even though we did have some time. Tony was coming to and from Chicago. wasn't particularly relaxing. So I just said, what the heck? We're going to Guam for Christmas. And we went business class. We stayed in a very nice hotel. What was it, Tony? Four days? Like that four days. Maybe, it might have been five total, but yeah, four nights. Maybe, maybe. five days. And yes, it wasn't particularly cheap, but as far as time, it was close. That concept of everyone speaks English. Uh, I could go and get a new pair of jeans. Uh, or no, I think I got shoes. Oh, you got shoes. And <laughs> and we went shopping at the grocery store to get those one or two items that we couldn't get. There were so many shoes, we had to split them among the suitcases. <laughs> So that you did, in case they did check you at customs, you wouldn't have to pay tax on all those shoes. Half of them were in my suit. And that's that's a wrap for this show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of it, right? I mean, yeah, the, the, the shopping and the access. I mean, just going to a shopping Guam, mall, right? Yeah. It's like, whoa, you know, Western-style shopping malls. Yeah, I, I, the shoes here don't fit. The clothing here does not fit me. So I, I can't go shopping in Japan for some of those necessities. Now... Granted, maybe I didn't need seven pairs of shoes, or however many I got. <laughs> but uh, Guam more is than a really or nice less one. than seven. <laughs> uh, and I and I wouldn't necessarily, you know, recommend Guam. But in that case, it's fast and it's, it's easy. Oh, it's it's yeah, you know, if you're in Japan, in if you're in Japan, you're right, and you're an English speaker. Yeah. Um, it, it, even better if you're an American, because Guam being an uh, American protectorate. Um, yeah, they, they use U.S. dollars. You drive on the right side of the road. Everybody right. speaks English. It, it's, a, it's it's the weather's beautiful. The beaches are beautiful. Beaches. Uh, food is marginal. Not the food <laughs> is barely the, food. don't go there for the food. Yeah, there's not much food. But um, for a fast getaway, it's really very yeah. very okay. Let me eat. ask you though: after four or five days, did you feel good? I wanted to stay longer. Okay, but when you came back, but you still were refreshed that word would you agree until stepping foot onto kansai airport tarmac whatever you step foot onto the jet well, usually yes. you <laughs> land on the tarmac with the airplane <laughs> right, I know. and I you're stepping down think of what it was called the jetway thingy <laughs> the walk i mean right. it's as refreshing as it can be but you're still always going to have to be back home with those responsibilities so four or five days it was great it was christmas we didn't have any family to worry about christmas except with each other and that was what made it good. Okay. But if you really want something maybe more exotic, uh, Palau. Mm. Uh, ever been to the island of Yap? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> we have. But I know people who have. Yes. <laughs> well, just the Yap well, Airport. But it was, yeah, we were. No, in the I, do, I do know some. I do know someone though from my college days who used to go out to Palau. It's a big dive spot, famous yeah, for its wall dive, diving. Yeah. It's yep. it's amazing. It's amazing. We yep. don't dive, but we uh, did uh, scuba. Snorkel. Oh yeah, so snorkeling. And jeez, um, it was uh, it was something. It was amazing. How, how was long fun. did it take? Did, was it? Is there a direct flight there? 
No. No. That we that was why we were in Yap. <laughs> okay, from from Kansai Airport to the to- Kansai to Yap to Yap to, to Guam to Palau to Guam to Did we stop in Guam? We, oh, going that's down, right. we going to to, going there. We just stopped. We went to Guam and then from Guam to Palau. Coming back, Palau, Yap, Guam, Kansai. Okay, yeah. but you could go. So you can get to Palau with a stopover in Guam, and how many hours would that take? Probably everything was about eight. Okay. So that's why, again, if we're crunched for time, like we often are, it's kind of a long way down there. But you got to figure a whole travel day, whereas Guam's yeah, a half day. each way. Guam's a half day, and Palau's a full travel but, but, day each way. But you, you're forgetting to mention the most important point of all. No, the food wasn't good there No, no, either. no, no, no. I mean... How many hours difference? How much jet lag did you have? Zero. Oh, jet lag? What's jet lag? We're traveling halfway around the world two, three times a year. Jet lag is, I remember when I was a kid flying from Chicago to to Portland. It's like, oh, I'm tired. I have three hours jet lag. It's different. Oh, come on. (laughs) Sleep on the plane. (laughs) Anybody who's who's going that Yeah, it's far. maybe an hour difference, but yeah, there's no there's yeah. no jet lag. Um, yeah, because no. I'm sorry, when I go Sleep back the to the States, it takes me through three days to really... Well, that's a major shift. That's you're, a major... You're, you're, right. you're going like 12 yeah. hours off. So, so that, that's right. yeah. you know, it's an, Well, for California, you're almost like seven, eight hours off, which means you're one sleep cycle. Right. So that's when you sleep on the plane. It, you, it doesn't you, help me. I'm sorry, Allison. You must be like, you know... <laughs> oh, I... I, I have my method, and that is I don't sleep until I arrive at my destination and I follow their sleep cycle. And knock on wood, because I'm not an old fart, <clears throat> let me reiterate, it has worked for me so far. I pretty much don't have any, but I, I, I'm, an, I'm an exception, I think. I think you are, because for me, even when I was younger, it took me a long, long, long time always to adjust when I'm going over there. Or hmm. slip. So I think what one of the key points is that what we're talking about traveling is that those kinds of options where there's like only one hour or two hours difference, and you're also hmm. speaking English. I think that's a great point. So you're saying Palau's great, Guam's good. Palau what is, about Saipan? Pal- I've never well, been there. You can go to Saipan. The thing, Tony, I think might has might have been there. Mm, but I've the thing, there, yeah. then you're already on a plane from Guam. Yeah, there's then no you direct have to, to take Saipan. another plane. And there's not much from difference Saipan. from Saipan and Guam. Saipan's got a little more in terms of um, historical uh, things to look at, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, ruins from the war and things. More of it, more of that is there. But, but so um, is Palau. Yeah, 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 Palau too. But that, but that's even far. You know, that's farther away. Yeah, but it has so much better. I mean, well, Palau's got the diving. Palau's <laughs> yeah, got if the you're diving. Gonna, if you, if you, if you, and so everybody has their priorities. <clears throat> so right. yeah, if you're going to stay on the beach, then just get a get a hotel in Guam with it has a private beach. Um, if you want to do a little more, if you like golfing, uh, Saipan is maybe mm-hmm. worth the extra hop. Uh, and if mm-hmm. you, you know, want to get into the water and you want to see some amazing fish, uh, Palau. Okay. And if you want, if uh, another option going a little bit farther, or what I do as a layover, and this is kind of going to what you're talking about, Charles, on my way to the states because Kansai Airport doesn't have too many direct flights, and I hate to do the Haneda shuffle, changing from Haneda Airport to Narita Airport, carrying the heavy bags on a bus at an additional expense for 90 minutes, the Haneda shuffle. I boycott that. I will take 
a Kansai airport flight to Honolulu. I will stay in Honolulu and that's where I get my refresher. I have quiet time by myself, my favorite hotel, a few Mai Tais, the beach, a couple of friends there, and then I move and on. And then you to have Portland breakfast, right? <laughs> yeah. And I go there and generally I sleep for, you know, 18 hours straight. And that's kind of that more refreshment that you're talking about, that jet lag overcoming. But Honolulu, you know, it's another great stopover destination. You're not paying extra for the air for the That's plane like either ticket. United or Delta, right? I think we'll stop uh, over there. What other airline? I know. I think Delta does that. I know. Well, Delta absolutely does because I'm going to Portland and they used to be Northwest Airlines. So I'm all, you know, Alaska or whatever on the West Coast. But um, they're almost all of the, you know, ANA goes to Honolulu and JAL goes but to Honolulu. But not with the connecting flights, though. It doesn't really. I mean, I don't. Because you're saying you stop over you at, at Hawaii on flight. your way to the States, right? Yes, but I'm sure if you were going to L.A., you could make it a connecting flight with JAL or ANA because they fly to L.A. from Honolulu and um, I didn't know you know, that. San Diego, San Francisco. I'm pretty sure I'm not an expert because I'm not a JAL or ANA member. Um, I am one of those mileage people, which if you don't have a mileage plan, get one and stick to it. Oh, but it only is one airline. No, it's not. You actually have all of the airlines in that group, and you can use any of them anywhere. I mean, yeah, why else would uh, I have flown Aeroflot last summer? <laughs> but it was really nice. Okay. It was yeah, really yeah. nice. And Yeah. So Hawaii is another one, but uh, Waikiki, it's all tourists. I've been there several times. One time I challenged myself using the Japanese verb to challenge. <laughs> and I spoke only Japanese. I only spoke Japanese in the lobby, in the shops, at breakfast, just to see if that was possible. And people just spoke Japanese back. So if you don't mind a bunch of Japanese tourists around you, then that's a great place. Or if your wife is Japanese, your husband is Japanese, your kids, and you need that kind of a mix, Guam, Hawaii. But it's really crowded so you might want to hop a plane to maui or again do it as a layover okay okay but i'm not against going halfway around the world um because of the jet lag you mean yeah yeah for me you know charles got a problem with the jet lag for me sometimes it's it's debilitating sometimes it's nothing Mm -hmm. and i've seen no pattern and nothing that i do seems to help or prevent um it's just hit or miss no idea what causes it. So yeah, me too. And um, the thing about the funny thing, I think I mean, Charles about talking about getting refreshed. For me, when I feel the the greatest release and and just this, I can just feel the stress just fall off of me, just like just leave, like you know, in a wave. The suspense is killing me, Tony. Come on, <laughs> is when I get on the plane and they close the door, hmm. and they close that door and. I'm not in Japan, and I'm not in the United States, and mm. I'm not anywhere else. I'm in this little metal tube with this little button on my chair, and the jail flight attendant will come and bring me a drink whenever I press that little button and smile at me. And uh, I've got my headphones on. I'm listening to good music with good sound, the drink in front of me, and I can't do anything. 
and I can just pleasure read. And when that door closes, I'm in heaven. And I get off the plane at the other end. Okay, there's there's social responsibilities, there's family responsibilities, there's this and that. I've got to do this. I got to reacclimate myself. I said, but while I'm on that plane, I'm happy. <laughs> but now, Tony, they have just whatever it was a couple of weeks ago. Now they have rescinded the rule, the law, the order of not using your electronic devices at takeoff and landing. So now you can be connected. Well, that's okay. I don't, you can't I don't be connected have a over the that. ocean, though. There's no internet connection that way, right? No, most of that's on domestic flights. Yeah, there's there's no internet over the right. Pacific. Yeah. Aren't some planes now having, I have seen on the Aeroflot flight that They have to be took. over land, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that we, yeah, going over the Pacific, I don't think you've got a right connection. Right now, yeah. I don't think so. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. But there's a certain advantage to that, too. Oh, but, yeah, for me, too. I, yeah. I don't I don't well, have any problem. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who's hounded by, you know, that's bothered by constantly being connected with, with email. Really? or No, I, I enjoy <laughs> I need it. I, I, I'm I not bothered by connection. it at all. I'm bothered when I don't have the connection. <laughs> me too. I, I, no, no, that's what me I nuts. mean. <laughs> anyway, going back to uh, Tony and I had a great trip uh, in Ireland. Yeah, that was very nice. And uh, again, talk about um, um, getting away, feeling refreshed, and I talked about getting out of Japan. Um, yeah, Ireland was great. You, you were in a foreign country. And it was very different. I mean, like for me, driving on the right, which was the first, uh, aside from outside of Japan, the first time. Um, but very, very different, of course, roundabouts and, and such. Um, but being, you know, again, ex- exotic, quote unquote, uh, foreign country. I mean, scenic, beautiful, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the luxury of being able to use my native language and being able to do everything in English and be understood. And, you know, yeah, being a, a foreigner, but not being made to being reminded that you're a foreigner. Um, yeah. you were, you're, it was, it was, it was a very nice experience. It was very, very nice. And talk about being refreshed. That was wonderful. Cause, um, you know, we, we, yeah, we got, we got the airport, got a car and bam, just drove around the <laughs> Island. It was wonderful. Yeah, whatever it yeah. was. Yeah, that rain, big land the monster rover. truck. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but like driving, you know, I Tony's a big driver. I enjoy driving. I spent a, a trip, a full week, basically just driving all of the B highways, which are the smallest, uh, kind of like no lane roads in Wales. My family's from there, uh, heritage wise, some part of me, and I went back to look for our castle. And while I was there, I drove all over the oh, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Her, I'm sorry. Her family. Can you say her that family again? Ca- her family My castle. Heritage. Yeah. The family castle. The family castle. Well, this I like, think like you know, I could like go through, ago. you know, try to Not find the family cave in my part, you know, for example. <laughs> well, that that's only one part of my family. But, but, you know, like doing something like that. Again, there's so many different reasons to travel. And just that driving, it that that cleared my mind on that particular trip. Another time, um, Tony and I, we went to Angkor Wat. We went to uh, Vietnam and Cambodia. I had already been to Angkor Wat. Again, I I dragged him before it was too late, but it was too late. It was completely overrun with tourists. And it wasn't as good as the first time. Um, I thought it would be kind of this cultural experience, this interesting... um, 
I don't know. <laughs> and by the time that Tony and I went, as beautiful and gorgeous as it was, it was a completely different space, you know, 10 years difference okay. in time. That's a Laos also. A lot of people think, oh, you know, go to Laos, go to whatever. And there's the natural beauty and it's not touristic yet. Oh, it's completely all of the places. There's almost nothing that's untouched anymore. It's all cement. Um, well, that's the... one of the things I wanted to bring up in our Vietnam trip. Uh, it was wonderful, uh, kind of interesting, <laughs> lots of stories. But one of the things that kind of disappointed me was as we were staying in a beautiful beach resort, that there was a lot of development on the beaches. And you could tell that people had lived on those beaches and that development was destroying the local villages. And, you know, my beautiful five-star room was probably exactly where some fisherman's hut had been. And there are also some social implications and where you travel, that's something to consider. The, uh, the Vietnam trip was, was very, very interesting. Um, and ha having lived in Japan was a very good primer for that. And what was fascinating for me was the amazing contrasts. You had, um, yeah. you know, very strong, um, evidence everywhere of it being a communist country yes incredible and yes. And, and we have wonderful pictures uh, but at the same time there's this also the simultaneous almost you know sort of not, not surreptitious but against the grain kind of economic growth capitalist growth at the same time going on and uh the contrast between the city and the countryside and yeah we stayed at um one of these you know I, I, as Allison said, very sad um, development. But it's, I mean, they're, the whole beach, I mean, just the, the whole route from like the, uh, from the from the airport to where we Hoi were staying, to Hoi um well, yeah, to Hoi An, was just all, all every every mile, kilometer of beach was just being, had been bought up and it was getting developed these huge mega luxury multi-million dollar type for rich chinese koreans for and, and for americans for right for us yeah because they use the dollar there and and we and we stayed at one of these places for a couple of yeah. nights it was lovely oh it was except for the rain and what a, and what a kick i mean Storm. you i think allison you were getting beautified or something some kind of estee thing or yeah. toenails or whatever and so i was naturally at the at the hotel bar and um yeah, I was uh, showing um, the uh, the uh, the bartender and, and one of the, the waitresses the iPad, which they had never seen. So they were playing with my iPad, and um, what were this they? was only a year and a half ago. Yeah, and uh, they were they they I was you know, kind of showing them how you could look for information. And what was their question? They had the question about who the that that the woman on the bottle on cap. the bottle cap of what was it? A, a champagne? She was French? Was it was it? Uh, no, I think it was a liqueur. Maybe it was a wine. No, I think it was champagne. Maybe. I can't remember. But yeah, they want to know who this woman was. So we we did a little research there and <laughs> together and we were doing that kind of thing. Yeah, and we stayed we stayed at that um that place a couple of nights. Not particular. We also stayed at another place where the what was the, the room was like fifteen dollars a night? Oh, Twelve dollars yeah. a night? Yeah. And all of this stuff 
uh, all on the internet. Uh, there are a couple just... of great sites. Uh, if, if you are a mileage member, you might want to go through like your Delta.com. You can get miles to uh, stay at their places. Yeah, if you want an uh, easy, an easy place to like blow out the cobwebs. I mean, just look at something that's really different yeah. and just fascinating, just really interesting. Really just boggle your mind. Um, yeah, Vietnam would be a, a real nice choice, I think. Mm. Now, of course, for Vietnam, Delta.com or whatever your mileage membership plan isn't going to probably cover Vietnam, but TripAdvisor, TripAdvisor Online has great recommendations uh, all over the, the spectrum for demographic. Uh, now you can connect online with them directly to the hotel or bed and breakfast sites. Uh, most of that trip and the Wales trip and the Ireland trip was almost all via TripAdvisor connections to bed and breakfast because bed and breakfast, those are the most intimate, whatever country you're in. And you can actually talk to some of the people. I spent one day in London several years ago uh, just talking to the woman who I was staying with the entire day. I didn't go out at all. And it was fascinating. We had a great time. Another good online check place, uh, especially for Asia, Agoda.com. And that's also Spell, a... Spell, please. Pagoda without the P. Okay, all right. Agoda. Mm. A-G-A-D-O-A. Or something. Mm. I'm not a speller. <laughs> yes, you did prove that point. I, I didn't I yeah, didn't do that Pagoda. on purpose. <laughs> There's no O in there. Okay. Um, anyway, so that you can become a member and you collect points for each of the places you stay at, and you also collect extra points if you do a review of the place. Now, one of the places in Vietnam we stayed at, they gave us a free dinner, including local Vietnamese wine, which was great. Well, that was a fun night. Like, that was a fun night. That was fun. Because it, it was a group dinner, and, and you, you meet all these other people. Of course, we met people <laughs> from Japan. From Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this was a small bed breakfast. But that but was interesting, was, too. But I was so disappointed because they said... Pretty much at the end, they're like, well, we hope you enjoyed your meal, uh, your free meal, and uh, please like us, or whatever you, however they said it, on TripAdvisor. And so that made me think, great, the whole reason that they had these great reviews on TripAdvisor was through bribery. But it was a, it was a great place anyway. It was. It was, it was, it was great. Fine. <laughs> it was, but, yeah, it's fine. It, was, it wasn't like it was, we were deceived. I mean, the, the reviews were true. Yeah, and none of the reviews mentioned this dinner. <laughs> well, oh, okay, well, well that, that brings up an interesting question, which is, okay, if you've never been somewhere, and how do you read a review or how do you know the review is accurate? Let's say someone decides they want to go to Vietnam. How would you mm -hmm. recommend that they approach that, you know, so that they, you can read between the lines on the reviews, for example, because it's always a gamble. And, th and this is why Allison's on this podcast. Go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, uh, there, there are other sites besides TripAdvisor, although they've been getting fewer and fewer now, and that's pretty much the, the main one. Um, I always start with the negative reviews first. That's not in my nature. That's the exact opposite of who I am. But I figure the worst will come out. And I also enjoy, for example, TripAdvisor because I feel personally most of the people there are in my demographic. They're, they are middle-aged and about my income. Okay, so and one thing. One, go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. 
Oh, one fast question about TripAdvisor. When uh, the people put up their reviews, can you click on the reviewer yes. and see what other things yes. that they've said so you can see if it's like a very negative person or, or, a, yes. or a very or cheerleader kind of thing? Was this review okay. helpful? Was it not? Um, and, of course, you can't trust any one reviewer because you're not going to be – I mean, everybody has different tastes. Uh, we're looking at going to Copper Canyon in Mexico and – the two reviews right in a row. One said, yes, the food on the train was amazingly wonderful. The very next review said it was the worst food he's ever had in Mexico. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. So you have to... How do you know? Well, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. I, you don't just read one review. Don't just read two. Read four or five. Okay, but... And then you have to have some ambiguity tolerance. Okay. You have to be open to whatever happens to you okay the reason i mention this is because i, I use TripAdvisor, and there's a few other um you know applications on the ipad i use and it's one of the great things about yeah. the internet is it does give us a lot of freedom oh, yes no. and before yes. i forget by the way one of the things i've discovered is that you know there are airlines like singapore airlines where if you go through yeah. their website you get better deals than you would through a travel agency and right like delta right and they get re- and, and, and some of them and have others. really nice websites that can really help you but for example, there's a place that we love to stay in Los Angeles. It's in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. and it's a five-minute walk from the beach. And it's, it's, a hot- no. it's a motel. It has parking, and it runs it around about 100, anywhere from 110 130 up to $180, depending on season. And just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. I went to like TripAdvisor to read the reviews. Yep. And the range of reviews was just unbelievable. And yep. there was, if I hadn't been there... I wouldn't have been able to say, I have no idea what these people are talking about. In other words, it was, imp- without actually being there, I would not have known if this was, you know, a really good place to stay or not. So I think your point, Allison, is really good that you have to have, you know, ambiguity. You have to be able to tolerate, tolerance, yeah. you know, the unknown. Yeah. And that's, I think, brings yeah. us back to the fact that you're traveling, and that's yeah. part of traveling. And if you don't have that ambiguity, if you know the ability to tolerate for, for that, then, you know, go to the chains that you know. You know? Right. Exactly. And Stay at that five-star hotel. Right. Exactly. And again, then get, then get your card. Get your hotel. Get your mileage card for that hotel chain and get the points and use those points. Right. That's, yeah. And uh, another thing just to kind of continue back you up, Charles, I don't only use TripAdvisor. I use that. I open Agoda.com. I go to the main website, the homepage, uh, and a couple of other smaller ones. Uh, Airbnb is now one of those things Tony turned me on to on the iPad that was kind of... Yeah, it's, it's an iPhone, iPad application that um, yeah. sets you up with uh, B&Bs, I think, in the United States, but um, look pretty interesting. A lot of interesting options. There's also... And so you look at this wide variety... And again, if you kind of look at, you know, and you can't spend all of your time reading every last detail, that sort of defeats the purpose. But if you notice the number, the the prevailing number of negative versus positive comments, look at the negatives. Is it like in this room? Like, oh my gosh, I found a, a Snickers wrapper on the floor. It's the end of the world, which I've read. Or is it, no, the entire building smells musty. And then you need to be able to make your own decisions and extrapolate from there. Is this person just cranky? <laughs> or 
is this a serious issue? Right. It, you know, construction is, part of the problem. is going that on is next part door. Of the problem with reviews, and it's it's different from a book. So, but books you can't always count on either. I mean, I love the DK uh, eyewitness travel guides because you can actually see them. They're very heavy, uh, but they and they have a different demographic than say um, the Lonely Planet. Lonely Planet are very thick. Uh, also heavy, but thinner pages. They tend to be a little bit more for the the backpacker, and they have lots of information, but almost too much information. Well, what we used to do when I was traveling back when I was younger, and the big books were the Let's Go books. They were yes. the lonely planets yeah. of our generation, I think. Yeah. And what yeah. we just used to do is used to just cut them up, you know, and only exactly. only That's to what I do. so if you're gonna yep. do this old style thing and take a a guidebook. Cut that thing yep. up. You don't need you don't need eighty exactly. percent of it. Just keep the pages that yep. you need. But even better is buy a what is it? The Fuji Scan. What is that? Um, I have one of these. A Scantron. It's the document uh, scanner. Yeah. Just cut. Yeah. Go cut the back of the book and then just scan all your pages into your iPad. But if you're yeah. traveling the old way and you're going to carry a book, you don't need the whole book. Cut your weight. And by the way, that's yeah. my biggest piece of advice to everybody: is you don't need. Oh you, you overpack you everyone i see overpacks 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 our rule was what was the rule i was taught pack cut it in half then cut it in half again and then wait a day and then cut like 25 percent, and pretty much you'll have all you need and the other seek obviously go yeah for for women choose a color. Uh, exact for men too. choose one tone Cho- choose and everything matches and you don't have to worry about and everything else is neutral. everything black yeah. white tan plus one yeah color. no whites are always dangerous because they get dirty really easily when you travel right uh, um and depending upon where you're traveling one of the the uh or ways modes of travel um because bleaches you can find anywhere, so, so that's easy. The fabric of your clothing also. Uh, one of the things I was recommended when I was quite young, always wear natural fibers on a plane in case of a fire. Okay. Uh, they don't burn as, as yeah, They don't melt like a synthetic survive. will. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, I, I that has never left my memory. <laughs> and always read the emergency card when you get on the flight. Okay. Uh, I don't what do about, that with all the flights. Forget okay. it. <laughs> what about, um, so when you're traveling, though, you like synthetics, like the newer tech materials that'll wick your sweat away and things like those lines, along those lines? Stuff okay. like that. Obviously, don't take anything that you need to iron. Right. Um, obviously. And comfortable shoes. Running shoes, I have discovered, are the best things. I hate Oh God! I, I know, I know, them, but them, but they're un- I know they look gaudy as hell, but I find that. And you're American. You become a target in some countries because you're absolutely. Well, there's American nothing I'm going to do that's not going to make me look like an American. I think so. Oh, I don't but know. In other well, words, maybe. good walking shoes are great. It's really important, and I'm amazed at how few people actually take the time to actually invest in their shoes. Good shoes yeah, are great. Um, also, um, I found um, don't fold your clothes; roll them. And stick them into you know, the shoes, and you save a lot of space. And also buy a small suitcase, because if you have a big yeah, so you don't pack so right, much. You won't pack so much. Just like a smaller dinner plate. Yeah. One more thing about packing clothes, very quickly. Um, they they have these that you can buy, like from Samsonite. But just getting a very large zipper lock bag of any sort, putting you know your delicates, <clears throat> ladies' garments, for example, in there. And then squishing them and basically 
getting all of the air out and zip it. And as long as you don't have to worry about uh, if it's not iron, if it doesn't need ironing, sorry, then that's also less space in your luggage. Yeah, I, I think it, those are great points. I think um, they have those those machine the the futon bags in Japan, right, where you connect it up to the vacuum cleaner, and it takes right. up. Those are little large, right, but those but, but the same idea, like which that. is that <laughs> yeah. Ziploc bags are you know, are just incredibly useful. But the other th- yeah, and as, and also the uh, be careful what country you're you're traveling to, and in the states it's the three three one as far as like three three ounce items blah 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 in your carry-on other countries have other rules make sure that you know what can and can't go in your carry-on at any given day right and then you have to be prepared for all the different rules for example i remember once when we took a trip to new zealand and then we had to take a flight from i think um auckland down to wellington and then suddenly our international allowance for baggage was no longer applicable be careful about that because in america they charge you now and we got charged oh, yeah. a lot of money for our bags. For flight. Not just the flight, but... And now some are charging for carry-on. Right, right. So the lighter you go, the better. And the thing I've discovered is you can always buy stuff. Always buy stuff. And that's uh, was my question for you just now. What do you think about travel sizes? Do you buy travel size things? What is travel size? What do you mean by that specifically? Travel size shampoo, travel size soap, travel size... We, we buy, we buy the containers. You know, the, um, uh-huh. you just buy the empty containers and then we fill them up and make sure that they're just good mm-hmm. and locking and then they go in a Ziploc. In the Ziploc. Right. Canvas. So, I mean, the idea is <laughs> just to, I think, you know, I want to, there's something, you know, we're getting close to the end here, I think. But, you know, when you, when you spoke about being in Vietnam and realizing that the hotel you were staying in was built on somebody's home. Uh, right. You know, those little things. So it's, that's a hard thing to deal with, you know, and just by the very nature of, where we live and who we are and what part of, you know, being part in the first world, we step on a lot of people, but the small things that you can do, for example, that will look, you know, lower the effect ecologically, I think it's just important. Yes. Take as few clothes as you can, make sure that they're, they're good clothes. And by the way, the other thing that I learned from my wife and it's brilliant is take one of these, um, what they're, I guess like in America, it's Febreze. Do you know what I'm uh-huh, talking uh-huh, about? Yeah. Yeah, they have it right, here in Japan Right, right. It's unbelievable that if you've just like had a hot, sweaty day, but your shirt's not dirty, if you spray right. your shirt with that, for example, mm-hmm. the shirt's wearable the next day. There's no body odor. There's mm-hmm. nothing. And you can save on having to take that extra shirt that needs to be washed. Little tricks right. like that that I've learned from my wife that are really helpful. So there's lots of little yep. secrets. Any other little secrets you, you want, want to share, Allison? Actually, yes. Uh, there's there is um i try to pack light and if i'm left to my own devices i do however so often i'm traveling someplace where uh, i'm going to be picking up a whole bunch of stuff to come back food or shoes one of my other little tricks when i go someplace um to hong kong or to i guess we didn't do it on the sicily trip but uh, hawaii or the states i pack an entire suitcase full of things to go to Goodwill or uh, the Red Cross to donate. Mm. Good clothes, shoes that, that I've never worn, uh, even friends' clothes every once in a while. I'm sorry, I thought you were saying you were anything. packing your friends to give them to Goodwill. Okay, I was a little worried <laughs> no. there. I'll Tony, you better be friends. careful there. <laughs> Always on <laughs> And <laughs> eyeglasses. So 
you may want to, what is the carbon offsetting or, you know, talking about your footprint. I really want to go to Myanmar, but the social consciousness of that, of the reason to go, I'm very conflicted. So maybe if I take a whole handful of used eyeglasses, that might kind of alleviate a little bit of my guilt. Right. And then you also have the extra suitcase to bring extra stuff back. Then it's empty when I come back. Mm. Yeah. So that's another little trick. And the other little trick that I've discovered, and this is for people who, for example, like we like to drink wine, is that if you go over to the United States, um, coming back in Japan, each person is allowed three um, yeah. 750 milliliter bottles. But if you bring an extra bottle over, there's basically it's a 200 yen duty. So yeah. if you like wine, for example, you can buy the wine in the United States at one third the price that you'd pay in Japan. Unless you're in Chicago. Well, maybe. High taxes. Oregon also high taxes. Well, Idaho, California. Even. I don't tax. know. Even if, okay, California. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. The point of it is, is that the price of imported yeah. wine is so expensive in Japan. That, yeah. And in California, I don't know how it is where you guys are, but for $10, you get a really nice bottle of wine. So I can bring a case of wine over for, what, $120, which is like, okay, about Ichiman, Nisenen, and then pay another 2,000 yen. And so for 14,000 yen, I've got 12 bottles of very nice wine that would probably cost me 2.5 to 3 times that price. Now, interesting, Charles. I've never seen a bottle of your wine in our house before. Really? I didn't know that Tony drank wine. I thought he was a whiskey and beer guy. Tony's never ever mentioned in the entire time I've known him of drinking a bottle of wine. And Tony, how many times have we gone out drinking? We've done margarita pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. We've done beer. Mm-hmm. I know we've done whiskey. Have mm-hmm. we ever drank a bottle, a glass of wine together? No. Have you ever mentioned to me that you like wine? No. See? So there you go, Allison. Okay, Couldn't get me on that one. one. I was prepared. Tony warned me that that question was coming. He prepped me on that one before we did the show. He said at the end, watch this. This is going to end up coming out. All right. One one last short little thing I've got in my notes. Going back a little bit to that professional stuff, whether it's you're your, your traveling for fun, whether it's for conference, finding your dream house so that you can retire Uh, and staying in that community for a while and see if it's a community you want to stay at. Who cares what you're there for? Pick up some realia that you can use in your classrooms back here. I've gotten flags from every country and I've gotten maps. I have a a London subway game that's in English. I use it when we're doing transportation in the oral English classes. Um, All of these great little things. I have students coming into my office and they're like, Sensei, I thought you were American. I am. Oh, but you have an English flag. Yeah, and I have a Canadian one over here, and I have a German one over here, and a (laughs) Chinese one over here. (laughs) And it's an excellent way, some small little souvenirs, to sprinkle in in your classes. Menus and stuff in English, or mistakes, menus with mistakes. Yeah, that's a a really good, I mean, there's so many gems out there that you can grab and pick and bring back. Like, Like you said, menus. Other kind of travel travel documents, postcards, yeah, and they're really popular. I mean, the kids just love it. I mean, because it's real. Yeah, pages of newspapers are always, you know, I'll I'll tear up pages of newspapers out or Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, that's a great point to make that you can always bring stuff back for your classes that are really helpful. 
For example, one time I brought Small. doggy bags back to show my students, and they just they just thought that was <laughs> the, the most amazing swan? thing. They said, "What is this?" And I said, "It's called a doggy bag." <laughs> <laughs> what a concept! Well, there are so many more trips, uh, tricks, <laughs> and wonderful places to go. Uh, yeah, I could talk about this for the next five days. Okay. And haven't even mentioned our honeymoon trip in Sicilia. So yeah, I was just wondering if you're going to mention Sicily or not. That, that I what wanted a, what to. a wonderful place. Oh gosh, mm. uh, yeah. Something, anyway. and it's a place that most people would never think of. It was just, it was just amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, Tony got dumped into the car, this little tiny Fiat, and how many? I think there were four painted lines on the highway and six lanes of traffic hmm. yeah the, the yeah. yeah the lanes are just kind of suggestions in palermo well, there's fairly you know aggressive driving but it's on the right side of the road and <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't that wasn't a problem yeah. that was great yeah. yeah there's just so many great places to each his own um why you want to go there whether it's to relax let off steam learn you can study right study a language you can have cooking classes um every golf classes Anyway, well, I would have just ended with the, one of the th- best parts of the vacation is that I get to read what I want to read. I can read outside my field. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's what I really yeah. look forward to is that, uh, you know, I'm going to yeah. be able to read and do that. But I think, Allison, you've had lots of really helpful suggestions, lots of interesting things. I guess we'll have to have you back on, talk more about all the interesting places. Maybe we should do that, Tony's have Allison come on and just uh, do a show about other great places to go traveling. Hmm. Go there. Yeah, she's got uh, she's got a long list. I've got a long list and lots of stories. We won't talk about being a Mossad agent in Syria though. That sucks. Yeah, I could imagine that. So, but wait, you've been a Russian, <laughs> you've been an American spy in Russia and then a, a Israeli spy in Syria. Okay. Suspected, suspected. Of oh, course. Oh, this is not suspected. on your CV then. Okay. Oh Lord. All no. right. So here we are. We're getting at the end. We're almost ready to have our vacation started, and we've covered the topic, I think. Yay. Yay. So I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Let's go. All right. So, Allison, you you know what to say. You're going to do the sign-off for us. This is two teachers talking. You can reach us at... Three. Three teachers talking. Today it's three teachers talking. (laughs) Wait for the invitation. (laughs) So two teachers or three teachers talking. We can be reached at... And there's two teachers talking dot com. Right. And, and our podcast two teachers, two teachers talking at gmail dot com. And on Skype we are at Take a Wild Guess. Two Teachers, two talking. teachers talking. I guess you've enjoyed being on the show, Allison. Of course. How could I not enjoy your company? Well thank you. Okay, so thank you very much for This is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we are temporarily three teachers talking, which would be T4. Looking forward to our vacation. Yes, and so have a good one, everybody. See you.